Welcome back to the Ask Different Podcast. This is episode number 12, recorded September 10th, 2011. I'm Kyle Cronin. I'm Jason Zalas. I'm Nathan Greenstein. And we have a guest on today, uh, the Stack Exchange designer in residence, Jin Yang. But uh, there's a few other things I wanted to touch on before we before we start talking to him. First off, I just want to mention that on the Stack Exchange podcast number 16, that's not the one that was last week, but the week before, we actually had a bit of an ad on there. It was something that Jason, Nathan, and I recorded just to promote the, the podcast. We got some uh, some good traffic from that, so um, if you if you want to hear that, it's kind of cheesy. <laughs> you could listen to Podcast 16. We'll toss a link in our show notes. Uh, second, uh, I want to basically give a call out for people that want to contribute to an Ask Different blog. Uh, we need people to be interested and agree to contribute to the blog before Stack Exchange will actually set one up. So if you're interested in blogging about Apple stuff or iPhones, whatever, just sign up on the meta post that we're going to also put in our show notes. It's basically, you know, the, the more interested with that, you know, the sooner we can actually get the, get the blog started. And so, without any further ado, here's Jin Yang. And Jin, to start off with, I was just curious, how did you become a Stack Exchange employee? I knew Jeff before. In fact, I worked with Jeff at at a former job years ago. And then when he started Stack Overflow and Server Fault, I I provided him some simple CSS help. And then uh, onto Super User 2. And then at the time, I was working for... A government agency and it wasn't too fulfilling and when Jeff you know started Stack Exchange and, and I told him hey you may need a designer and I'll work really hard for you <laughs> just just um, because I I really you know enjoy working with him even on the little CSS jobs and then he he basically said okay but you have to pass Joe's test first and that was pretty uh, that was pretty nerve-wracking because I knew who Joe was and you know, how strict he was about hiring programmers. And so f- as a test, I designed the Area 51 website in one night, and I think that went really well. So And then I was hired. You did Area 51 in one night? Uh-huh, the design in wow. one night. Uh, what I, I think I blogged about it. I'll send you the link later, the process on designing Area 51. Because all I received was two ad banners. Well, there, there weren't really ad banners, but there were these two, I think, 728 by 90, the long strip banners, and had these little cartoony characters in them. You know, the aliens, the UFOs. Um, mm-hmm. And then, because Joe contracted this really awesome illustri- uh, uh, illustrator, uh, Mr. Column, and who used to illustrate for Sock.com, so that he has a really distinct art style. And then I realized Joe wanted the Area 51 site to be really kind of whimsical, not as programmery as Stack Overflow. So that was the design direction I decided to go with. So I took all these little elements from the banners apart and just made the entire site to have that feel. Yeah, it. it, it I have to say, um, Area 51 is still one of my favorite uh, designs of a Stack Exchange site just because it's it really pushes the boundaries of what you can do with the design. Yeah, um, that was really fun too. It was, I think, it was the only time I've ever used uh, the font Impact on a <laughs> website. Yeah, Impact is a good font. Uh, kind of looks, I think, a little bit like the uh, Star Trek L Cars font. 
Right, right. Because I wanted to use Impact because everything else seemed really cartoony, and I thought Impact would offset that a little bit, you know. So. Yeah. And then after uh, I designed Area Fifty One, that was the first time I worked with uh, Stack. Stack Overflow uh, developers. I worked with Amit and David from New York office, and they were the ones who implemented my design. And after that, I I officially applied for Stack Overflow at the company, and I I even put up a one page resume for Joe. <laughs> I mean, it was it was still a really formal you know job application process. It wasn't because I knew Jeff and he put in some good words, and then I was hired. I still you know. Designing Area 51 was one of the tests, and and then I put up a, a uh, maybe one day I'll show somebody that, uh, but it's a private page right now. It's on my website. I made this one pager application just cater for Joe and applying for the job at Stack Overflow. You know, I even said, "Hey Joe," on there. <laughs> it just it's and then list all my uh, credentials and my portfolio, and then say why you shoot me. I remember I had a paragraph saying why you shoot me, hire me at Stack Overflow because you know I know what you guys do, blah blah blah. <laughs> I I am curious. Um, I remember hearing about your name uh, first when uh, Superuser was being created. What sort of work did you do for Superuser? It was more uh, skinning. I skinning the Stack Overflow skin to to look slightly different. I guess that was the my first experience with theming Stack Overflow. <laughs> I didn't know at the time it would prepare me uh, prepare for me today. You know, designing these stack change sites. But back then it was a lot simpler. It mm. was simply picking different colors and based on the logo it was designed. Um, it. Jeff wasn't really picky about it. He just said, you know, make sure it looks stand out from Stack Overflow and Server Fault. And we pick certain colors, and Jeff tweaked some more. Yeah, I have a I have a post on on MetaStack Overflow. It's like two years old, over more than that by now. Where I'm like, you know, I have to say the super user design is is my favorite of all the sites, and I think that you know it it shows your your artistic design whereas you know if you look at something like server fault it's basically someone took stack overflow and just changed a little bit of the colors but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't look it doesn't go together it doesn't look that good well it's exactly what happened uh, I, I didn't design any of the trilogy logos so we pretty much select colors based on what uh, whatever logos um, Jeff had people made do you want to talk a little bit about uh, like your design process? Like, I mean, you you've launched. I think it's probably twenty or so. I think uh, it's I think it's twenty seven. Twenty seven. Wow. I have. Well, it it depends on if you count uh, SharePoint or not. Uh, SharePoint. I have the design posted uh, on SharePoint Meta. I'm trying to launch it next week. So I guess including that one, it will be twenty seven. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and of course you you designed the sketchy design as well, so that counts as one. Oh yeah, I didn't. I never thought about that. And Plus the, area and fifty one, perhaps, and the well. area fifty one. I didn't count those. Area okay. fifty one has a discussion um, group too. So yeah, like what's your what's your process that you go through? Where you know you, you so someone from Stack Exchange says, uh, so Jin, we're thinking about launching, you know, money or something or some other site, and right. you say, okay, well, you know, how do you go from there? Um, well, let me tell you a story about when I first started, when I first, you know, hired, became an employee. We're talking about internally, and 
of course, Joe, because I ha I had no a prior interaction with the meta com the Stack uh, Overflow community before, you know, because I read some meta posts before, and I was already pretty scared because, as you know, <laughs> our users are, can be very vocal, especially the people who hang out on meta all the time. Um, so, so I was really scared, to be honest, because I was thinking, wow, I had to design all these sites. Each site is a, its own community, and it, it could potentially be a uh, design by committee nightmare for a designer like me, you know. Uh, and Joe, Joe said maybe uh, when a site is about to launch, you can create two or three mockups and show them to the users and let them pick whichever one they want. <laughs> and I immediately decided, no, I'm not going to do multiple designs. I will only present one design. But I'll make sure that's a really good design, the one I present. So in order to come up with one design that's really, really fitting, uh, it takes a lot of research. So to answer your question, if somebody says, hey, Jen, uh, SharePoint is, should launch in a couple of weeks, and, and what I do is I would spend a lot of time, at least two or three days, researching on the topic. And some topics are easy for me. The, some of the earliest sites like cooking or gaming you know, both I do, and I, because I have a pretty clear visual association with gaming, uh, I end up picking picking the a bit met, uh, retro look. Uh, but then there are other topics I know nothing about. For example, with theoretical computer science, uh, Linux or Unix, and the, because those are so abstract, they don't have a visual identity identity tied to them, right? So I would spend days just reading about uh, the background. I would be on Wikipedia reading about the topic, and I would try to find other resources too, or somebody's blog on the topic. And once I have a good feel about what the subject is about, then I try to come up with the right look and feel for it. But even then, every site is different, though. My, my approach is totally different. For example, the way I design the bicycle side is totally different from the way I designed the the SharePoint side. Yeah, I really like the design of you of the bicycle site. Um, I remember you were commenting on the logo, right? You went on the a little bit, yeah. Well, I like the heart. I really like the heart. I, really I like, like the heart too. If you if you read that thread, I had this long discussion with one user, right? Because he insisted on using the head badge, and I said there was nothing wrong with the heart. But then. But then I gave it some more thought. I said, you know, I'm really designing the site for bicycle users, right? And it really should be something that's really relatable to them. Like the head badge works better than heart. And even though uh, somebody passing by, such as yourself, Kyle, you know, you say, well, I like the heart better, but what, what is this thing, you know? But people like you or me, it, we don't matter because we don't use the site, right? Was, because the site is really designed for uh, bicycling enthusiasts. So they know exactly what a head badge is. They would appreciate that. So at the end, that's why the logo changed in the last minute. Uh, I also noticed that uh, on your original mockup of the bicycle site that the links for questions, tags, users, uh, those were like little signs. Um, right. and I got I'd... rid of them too. <laughs> it happens a lot when, from the time when I present the design to what the site actually looks like once it's launched, is there's always some minor tweaks. And the reason I changed the top navigation is because as I was implementing in CSS, I realized I was using that sign metaphor a lot. You know, I was using it as like a little info uh, thing, and there were a lot of other sign-looking elements on the site. I just felt like 
it was overwhelmingly shiny. <laughs> so I just got rid of the the sign treatment on top. Okay. I mean, that sort of makes sense. I, I, I like the look of the signs, but uh, I, I definitely understand, you know, you don't want to <laughs> oversaturate a metaphor. It's, it's always, because every design is really a, a balance work. I, because I was asking myself, how themey should I make this? Because I feel like if I over-decorate it, it's going to become kind of cliche, you know, and cheesy. And if I don't do enough and people it may end up looking really bland and there's no emotional appeal so it is always a balance act so do you want to talk a little bit about uh your sort of thinking and design process for ask different yeah sure um for ask different i actually asked a uh, a twitter designer friend of mine to design the site first uh mike rondo i i think you might have seen that mock-up i i paid the price in chat one time yes i remember it was really good i liked it but then i just I thought maybe it, there were some certain parts that needed to be tweaked. So what I ended up doing was I started tweaking it, and the next thing <laughs> I knew, it looked quite a bit different from what he came up with. I mean, he's a great designer. I admire his work a lot. Um, he does a lot of iOS app design and um, you know website design too. So I guess the look I was going after the first version. I don't know if you remember that when the site first launched has. It had a dark background, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I was inspired by the 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 iPad look, you know, the iPad application where it has the darker frame, the Chrome, mm-hmm. and then it has the lighter foreground. And I liked that look, but then it became really, really difficult to convert to CSS. I had to uh, the CSS work was probably two or three other stack exchange size combined <laughs> because our wow. html isn't really set up to set up to um have a clear division between the main content and sidebar area so i basically did a lot of hacks um i even told the developers to change the html just for the apple side <laughs> and, <laughs> and and of course they first they complied and then i kept on asking them i was like can you add this one more class on this page <laughs> and 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 that happened quite a lot and 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 then I felt bad because I was like, you know, a design should never dictate what the the, the core code is. You know, I feel like it was, and, and every day I would find new CSS bug reports on the Meta site. <laughs> I think Apple probably had a record number of uh, CSS bug reports. And, <laughs> and, and it was just really more trouble than it's worth. I just felt like in a way design didn't really work out well. And And then, you know, then I heard the news about Lion, and I look a lot at the Lion interface, and uh, I changed the subtabs look, and then, and then I decided just to make the whole site a light site, so it's it's easier to maintain CSS wise, and also it's it, it still look good, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I I I seem to recall that you actually instead of designing two sprites for the the. All the buttons. You actually designed three: one for the hover, and you actually had to get them to add stuff. There were a lot of subtle details. I don't know if most people notice. Um, I put a lot of effort in uh, the Apple side because I don't know. I guess I feel like if we can showcase how elegant the Stack Overflow engine can be, Apple side will be the one to showcase that. Um, yeah. Um, because you know, over the years, I've read a lot of designers 
cynical blogs, you know, talking trash about Stack Overflow's visual, <laughs> which I don't really care, you know. And they said, why is Stack Overflow so ugly but it's successful, you know. But then I thought maybe for Apple we can make it really elegant. And so there were a lot of subtle details I put in. For example, when you hover over a tag, it slides out. It showed the little tag icon. Mm -hmm. That's something I'd, I'd never done on any other site before. And even when you hover over a link, it does the link hover color doesn't just change right away. It kind of fades in. I like that um, part. And then when you click on the search box, uh, you know the background fades to white from translucent. Um, there were some other stuff too. Yeah, like you said, the hover state of the the voting widgets. In fact, for the Apple site, if you look at the actual sprite file, that it is is completely new sprite file. I I restart from scratch because typically for the other, uh, for the sites older than the Apple site, if you look at their image sprite, it's basically exactly the same as Stack Overflows, and there there was quite a bit of waste space. And so for the Apple site, I started a new sprite <laughs> and and make sure it was neat and and but then you know I, I used all the other sites that came after the Apple site um, inherited that same sprite uh, file as well. So you mentioned that uh, the preliminary or one of the initial designs of Ask Different was done by Mike Rundle. Um, he actually had a post, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago about designers that can also code. Mm -hmm. um, yes. I don't know. Are you? Do you code? Um, I I was a designer slash developer for many years. Um, in the light, late nineties, I. I pick up programming just to aid my design because I started web design about 95, uh, 95. Of course, I, I wouldn't call it design back then because it was designing for Mosaic just meant um, putting text on the web. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, as the web evolved so fast, uh, clients had more demands. They didn't want just static HTML anymore. So, you know, they wanted more interaction on their forms, on their website. And so I pick up JavaScript and some backend code. I learned uh, CodeFusion, Classic ASP, and eventually ASP.NET. So I really I work as a developer for many years too. I was um, I had an MVP in ASP.NET in the early 2000s. So I I mean I used to do a lot of programming and design, uh, but in recent years I just wanted to focus on design only. But uh, yeah, I totally agree with Mike. I think. A designer should code. I mean, by code, I mean really just simple, simple HTML, CSS. And if they want to get into programming, they should uh, look into Objective C or do some uh, web app de uh, development too. I just didn't know. Maybe there were some things that you know you kept bothering Stack Exchange to implement, and then you know they're like, eh, "Well, maybe we'll get to it eventually." And you're like, "Fine, I'll just do it myself." And you, oh you... no, I don't. I don't do any <laughs> development at Stack Exchange. I, okay, I I don't want to. We have a wheel of blame internally. <laughs> if something goes wrong, they would blame people, and I don't want to be blamed. <laughs> it's it's always Jason Punyon's fault. Remember that. Yes. <laughs> I don't know when that in-joke started, why Jason became like this <laughs> this person everybody blames. But. The punching bag, basically. Yeah. So you don't do any any actual like general code development on the Stack Exchange engine, but is there any what would be considered a development tool that you wouldn't otherwise use in your graphic design process that Stack Exchange makes you use, such as some kind of source control or some specific manner of going about uh, some specific manner in the design process? 
Well, I the only tool I use for this job is probably Mercurial to check in files. That's about it. Uh, everything I do still is locally on my uh, on my machine. You know, if I there's a new feature to be added, I would just create it locally and then you know upload it. Because unlike the the other programmers, I I use a Mac, so I don't have the the entire stack or flow uh, code base locally on my machine. You know, all the other developers do. So and then I also don't need it either. I I really don't need the code the code base on my box because I just create you know the the files I deliver are just simply image files and HTML and CSS. Yeah, it's really strange for me. I know I know the fact that the site is written in ASP. I know the Windows roots. I know how many people use not only general PC hardware but also Windows. Uh, I believe the exception is Joel, of course, that he runs. Correct me if I'm wrong. He runs Apple hardware, but moots natively into Windows, doesn't he? I I don't really know what he does. I know he has a couple Macs, and <laughs> but then he he's not a developer, you know, so he can use <laughs> whatever machine he wants to. <laughs> but I think I believe one of our devs, uh, Sam Sam from he he has a MacBook Air. He does some development on. I believe he he actually enjoys it a lot. I don't think I've seen him on Ask Different. Maybe he. We should encourage him to post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but most of our developers are PC guys, so mm-hmm. which is fine. So once you've figured out, you've, you've done your research, and you know kind of how the the feel of the design. What what's your your process for designing it and laying it out and picking colors, and then for actually writing the CSS? What kind of apps do you use and that sort of thing? Well. Design to me is really about capturing a feeling, right? Because any time you, if you go to any of our Stack Exchange sites, it, the the design should uh, gives you a different feeling. Like for example, if you're on a gaming, you should know this is a gaming site right away, right? Or mm-hmm. it's a cooking site. So when before I design this, I have some words that to describe what kind of feelings I want to capture. And once I know that, to me that's always the hardest part because it's really easy to make something really pretty looking. It's not hard at all. I think anybody who's taken some Photoshop license can do that. But to make sure the design is really appropriate, that's that's the difficult part. But once I reach the conclusion, what looks I want, and you know, I just fire up Photoshop and I have a template, you know, that I use to start all stack exchange size. The template includes the, the the guidelines, you know, how wide the main column should be and the sidebar. Normally, that's pretty much fixed. And then I just used Photoshop. The the actual implementation of uh, the design in my vision is not that long. It's about a day or two. And then um, then after that, if I'm okay, and normally I make a mock-up for the question page and, and then the home page, because those two pages capture most of the, the visual elements on the site. So not all, but most of them. But they should give the users a pretty good idea of how the look and feel is going to be. Um, and then I post the designs on Meta and pretty much saying, uh, you know, I write my little design pitch. <laughs> and that's also a really challenging part, too, I've learned. Um, so once the users uh, approve the overall design, I just convert to CSS. Um, in fact, we use less for CSS implementation. Um, and I don't really have a lot of time um, from one side to the other side. So nor- I used to create a site from scratch to launch uh, in about uh, a week, uh, but now these days I have a little bit more time. 
Yeah, there was a, a period of time where, like, you were just, like, one site after another. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, there were a couple of times I did, I launched two sites a week. That was Ugh. pretty rough. Um, I can't imagine that. That's that's going to be crazy. Yeah, it was it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of work, but I truly enjoyed it. Um, because the what I really get out of designing these websites is when I research on a new topic that I've never heard before, and at the end... I feel like I walk away with some new knowledge I wouldn't otherwise know, you know, because through researching, for example, SharePoint, I, uh, like this past week, I was researching on SharePoint because I knew nothing about SharePoint before. I I mean, I knew people who use SharePoint. I kind of know what it is. It's like CMS by Microsoft. Um, Maybe it's it's used more on uh, like the enterprise level. And when I researched on it, I realized... um, like the history behind it, why it was made, you know, it kind of gave me a good idea about the the design direction I should should uh, go. Yeah, I took a peek at that design, and immediately it was like, oh, this is this is a Microsoft based because <laughs> yeah. you you, know, you got the same font that Microsoft likes to use now. That you got the same you know buttons and stuff for the questions and stuff that are available on the um, right uh, Windows Phone Seven and now the Windows Eight tablet. It's just you look at it and you're like, oh, this is such a Microsoft site, <laughs> right? Well, good. That's the look I was going after because um, SharePoint by itself doesn't really have any visual identity right because when you think of sharepoint what what do you think i mean it's kind of same as wordpress or drupal right because they're just cms people use it to make other themes so i decided not to use anything sharepoint related except for the logo the logo was based on the concept of sharepoint because sharepoint is supposed to have uh, six abstract functionalities like there's the search the content uh, what is it? There were four more. I don't remember. So that's why I made six nodes, and then they kind of formed a cube, and and the flow inside formed an S, which looks really cool. Um, so the logo is really tied to SharePoint, but the overall side look and feel, it's more about Microsoft's uh, new Metro UI, which I I happen to like a lot. Um, so I I made sh- made sure the site mimics that. Yeah, you hit that nail on the head. You have the. The, the only way that I can adequately explain it, in my opinion, is you kind of have the bubbly gradient background with the various colors that just kind of, again, bubble and meld. You have the metro-style navigation for the header. Uh, I Yeah, I took a glance for it, and from what I've seen, and to the extent that I'm still involved with Microsoft, it really it really hits that point really easily. I'm just glad they have the Metro UI. Otherwise, I I honestly wouldn't know what to do. I I really didn't want the site to look like an old Microsoft Office product, you know, with the ribbons. <laughs> and... If there was no Metro UI, it would probably have to be ribbon, considering oh. uh, Office 20, 2007. <laughs> right, right. Either either uh, ribbon or something like arrow glassy, kind of a Windows Seven style. Exactly. I did not want that style because I don't. I see that style will eventually be phased out. I know it's going to be in Windows 8 for a while, um, but I imagine in Windows 9 or 10, they probably will go with a full Metro UI. You mentioned the, pr- probably the most important thing, in my opinion, at the very start of this, is that you don't you don't just take what you know and put something together. You expand your own knowledge. You learn your own uh, you you form your own thoughts and you read into their history and you take it from there. I was a part of gaming when it was still in beta, and I remember people 
complaining about going with the retro with the general 8-bit style but people said what else is iconic in gaming yeah gaming has come a long way in 15 20 years but when somebody sees old donkey kong style 8-bit mario they know what it is really fast right um and that that has just been the look uh, modern gaming I, I don't know what I would pick in the 3D world outside of Mario himself that actually tells a commoner, hey, this is about video games, period. And the best part of the gaming design, even though it's retro, is it's um, a little bit a little bit Space Invaders, a little bit Missile Command, but the depth in the actual pixel work to really note the, like the, uh, the, the ask question button is a mothership and you actually have so, so distinct details like the the antenna the radio the the use of colors is so granular but so good in that header yeah the for the gaming uh design i i did i I knew right away 8-bit was the way to go otherwise there's there was no other design that would satisfy every single gaming genre just because it was impossible um so once i decided to go with the 8-bit gaming thing i've looked at tons and tons old PC games or NES games, you know, and I look, I studied a lot of pixel art, and and the color palette I picked was, they were actually the original, uh, the the eight bit color palette. I didn't add any New York color colors to that, mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to look authentic, you know. So the color association is definitely one of the the key to that feel. Um, of course, the people on gaming, they are still bugging me about giving the mothership a uh, laser because they want the ask question <laughs> link to have a hover effect. So it has more affordance. So they say it would be cool if you hover over the mothership and shoots down a big laser. No, no, <laughs> yeah. maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't give it away in public like this. But what we could do is for April Fool's Day, you could make like a desolate, destroyed version with lasers in the air and with the 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 question the question tag users button all being like destroyed, uh, destroyed base style things. <laughs> Or, or I can, I can make it go the other way around. I can destroy the mothership, so on that day, nobody can ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> the Earth triumphed. <laughs> Equally as helpful in, well, in some respects. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, actually, gaming was gaming and cooking. I guess it was in the beginning. I I was new to the commu- communities, and nobody knew who I was really. Like, several they knew I was the designer that was hired, and so for the design, I met a lot more resistance than I normally do these days, right? Because uh, because if, I remember reading that post, and not everybody liked the 8-bit retro theme. And and what I've learned is, because I think it's really up to the designer to decide what the design should be. Obviously, everybody has an opinion, right? Because it's about design, it's visual. And, but a lot of people, in my experience, that they when they express a critique, but they're really just interjecting their personal preference. <laughs> it's it's not objective. So for that type of comment, I normally just ignore. But then if somebody comes in and gives a really good critique, not because what color they like or what style they like, they just give legitimate uh, critiques, then I would eventually listen. For example, the bicycle logo, I changed that. Um, and there, there have been many other occasions where I changed my design based on the, the community feedback. Yeah, I think um, physics is probably a good example of that. Physics? Uh, why do you have to mention physics? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, that was... There were 
there were two, two, two designs I did that failed. One was physics, which we ended up pulling, which I'm still going to design new uh, theme for the physics community. And the other design I did was programmers. Well, the first draft of the, the design, I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Uh, I did this design post on the programmers meta and it it was it was okay. It wasn't. I mean, it's not a lot of people hated it, but it was like a lukewarm reception, and some people did not like it. It was like green text on a black background, right? Yes, because I had no idea what the design should be, right? I mean, uh, because I thought programmers. If I thought if programmers love Stack Overflow, I guess they don't really care how the site looks like, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of just did somewhat like a stack, like a darker theme of Stack Overflow, right? And but it turned out people are really passionate about their sites. You know, they some people just said this is such a, I don't remember their exact words, but the gist was this is such a mediocre design didn't do anything for me. And which I agree with them because I that design didn't do anything for me either because I normally I know if design works or not because when I finish I'm excited about it and that's pretty much most of the designs I do but for that particular one it really didn't do anything for me either and and I decided to officially pull it because Jeff wrote me on Skype one day he just said I'm not feeling it and I knew exactly what he was referring to. <laughs> And that's like, yeah, I'm not feeling that either. So we ended up brainstorming, and he told me that, you know, Stack Overflow is about code. It's when you sit in front of a computer, you're compiling code, you're writing code, right? Because that's what all the questions are about. But programmers, it's more about people. It's more about planning phase. It's it's it should be it should be happening, like, not in front of computer, but a whiteboard, you know. Uh, so I was like, yeah, that makes sense, and. So, so he was. He suggested a whiteboard theme, and which I agreed. And I remember that night, I, I went out to uh, Walmart. I actually bought a whiteboard, <laughs> uh, just to see how you know, because I wanted the background of the site to be a whiteboard. But uh, it's been it's been a long time since I used a whiteboard. So I went out, bought one. I bought an eraser, I bought some markers, and I wanted to see how uh markers fade you know how how the marker writing really looks like on a whiteboard and i took some photos and that's why when, when i started design i had a lot of good reference yeah and i have to say the programmer site is is a very it, the design is very good and isn't the font that you use isn't that uh that the hugh, hugh laurie's writing <laughs> yes yes it's called house md it's actually I was really surprised I found it. I guess it was somebody on DeviantArt, they, he digitized all the writings from the show and he made a font out of it. So that was really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. <laughs> I did not notice that. Yeah, because I was so tempted to put a little Easter egg somewhere on the side. It says, it's not lupus. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Oh, that's good. And and the physics site, it was basically it was it was a blackboard theme, right? It was, it was a blackboard. It was it was like kind of Jeff and I were talking about it, and he's maybe he said a blackboard would be cool because I personally I like dark theme sites, but I had a little bit concern about the readability issue, and which eventually turned out to be true. Um, but the idea is, you know, if most physics users are. In, still in uh, in college or in universities, and maybe they're used to that blackboard theme. Maybe it just we were a little bit out of touch. Maybe people don't really do that anymore. <laughs> I don't know what people still use in universities, and so we we were met with a lot of resistance when the site launched, and 
I, I still waited for a week or two before I pulled it because normally when it's new site launch, there's you will always see one or two people complaining about the design. Not because the design is bad, it's just something, if they're so used to sketchy, and then they see the site change, and it's just a matter of getting used to. Uh, so normally, I don't pay any attention to that type of complaint the first couple of weeks, but then we got a lot more complaints about the design, and I was like, wow, this this means the community really hates this design, so we better switch it back. Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was primarily like a readability thing, because it was, uh, it was like, off white to greenish on black, right? Yeah, I didn't want to make a solid white on solid black because that would be really harsh. So I kind of softened the contract a little bit. So I thought it was actually easier to read. But then, you know, some people still liked it, but majority of people hated it. So I'm not sure if I'll ever do a dark theme. That's just <laughs> way too risky to do. <laughs> but the, actually, the only a dark theme that's still up right now is the, the meta side of the photography side, which is a totally a completely dark theme. And w- which worked because, first of all, now I don't think too many people use the meta sides in general. And also, for photographers, they're used to dark themed blogs or software interface. So I thought it was okay. Yeah, I noticed that. That uh... yeah, the idea was, you know, it's like the negative of film. So I thought it would be cool if the meta side is an inverted version of the main side. <laughs> yeah, actually, because every side that you design, you not only have to do the regular side, but you have to do the meta side as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, you're just either you know desaturating or changing the colors a little bit. Um, but what would you say the meta site that you've done the most changes on would be? Probably the bicycle side. Uh, if you go to the the bicycles matter because the bicycle main side is this sunny theme, right? And the, their matter is actually a night uh, a night scene. It's like the cyclist is going home, right? Yeah, That's exactly. That. I guess yeah. some user told me after the site launch, he said he just kept on the matter and main link back and forth, so it looks like it's animated. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's true that I used to just desaturate the meta version, uh, which uh, if it takes me, uh, if a design somewhat simple, it takes me about maybe 20-some hours to convert the CSS work. And the meta would just be three hours because I already have the images, you know, all the CSS from the main side. I just simply change the link colors and desaturate the, the, the images. But lately I've been thinking about giving each side's own meta community its own little personality too. I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna overdo it, so it looks like a totally different side. But somehow, I think it will be more fun than just a black and white version of the main side. Yeah, I have to say, um, I think, I think just using like black and white meta sites was a bit of a cop out that started with the creation of Meta Stack Overflow. Yeah, like I think Jeff literally he just he's like he just took Stack Overflow, you know, made all the all the things gray, put a a red meta up there. Is like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because a lot of the the Stack Exchange sites that the, the seating members were from Stack Overflow, they were used to that convention, and that's why I didn't want to come up with something new. People had to learn, which I didn't really mind because meta. After all, I think a gray or a gray scale theme kind of works for for. Otherwise, 
if you make it a different color scheme, it's kind of confusing. I, I'm kind of of the opinion that they should change Meta Stack Overflow to like Meta Stack Exchange and update, you know, all the graphics and stuff so that it's it's truly like a, a meta for the network and then create a separate Meta Stack Overflow just for Stack Overflow like stuff. But what would you put on Meta Stack Exchange and on Meta Stack Overflow then? So Meta Stack Overflow, you know, basically, you know how you have like Meta Super User, Meta Server Flow. Well, that's sort of uh, stuff specific to those specific sites. And then you have like a Meta Stack Overflow that just has Stack Overflow specific Meta uh, topics and discussion, and then the Meta Stack Exchange is uh, more more network issues and you know bugs that you discover and you know they're present all across the network. I, I think you know in a lot of case in a lot of ways uh, Stack Overflow is is like an exception. Uh, oh, it well, is. It is in so many ways. <laughs> but like you also have like Blog Overflow as well. I mean, you've done the designs for those as well. But uh, but Blog Overflow, each of these community sites is able to start their own blog. And then, well, you think, well, you know, what about Stack Overflow? I mean, they have a huge community. I'm sure there would be tons of people there that would be uh, thrilled to write blog entries. But there's no Stack Overflow blog because the Stack Overflow blog is the blog the, the, for the company. Yeah, there were there was some branding confusion. As you know, the company started out as, you know, the company was called Stack Overflow. I think it was called Stack Overflow Internet Services. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it just got confusing because when we do PR work, you know, when when Joe tells some somebody from TechCrunch or Mashable, hey, we're Stack Overflow, and then they would go to StackOverflow.com, you know, and they would just see nothing but programmer questions, and and then they would get the idea that Stack, the company, is all about the programmer questions, uh, which is not true, even though we have a, a network of other Q&A sites, and that's when we decided to change the company name to Stack Exchange. Uh, it's more representative of the company. Of course, the the result of that was the our blog URL. Now, if you go to blog Overflow and blog section, they all point to the same same blog, right? Right. So I I'm not sure what the best solution for that one is. Yeah. So I mean, in addition to sort of being a Stack Exchange employee that's you know designed all the sites, you're also a an Apple user, a Mac user. Uh, um, yes. So, do you want to go through uh, a little bit of uh, the setup that you have for for your Mac, iPhone, iPad, whatever you might have? Um, yes, I I switched to Mac two years ago. I think a little bit, maybe a little bit over two years ago. After a series of Dells just died on me, I was just so fed up, and so I went out bought my first Mac, which was a twenty uh, four inch iMac. Uh, but I just retired that one somewhat because the the company sent me a brand new twenty seven inch iMac. It's um, it's maxed out, and then I have a a uh, another 27 inch Apple Cinema display. Um, I have iPhone 4, and so that's my wife. And no, my wife has 3G one. Oh yeah, and I have an iPad and MacBook Pro. <laughs> <laughs> it just I didn't realize you know how quickly I accumulate all these Apple products. But you know I I just fell in love with Apple products. Um, since I got my first iMac, I was just truly blown away. I kind of, which has kind of made me feel bad because I had this friend Sam who, who, who is a diehard Apple fanboy. I mean, he is a fanboy. <laughs> and when I was a PC user back then, we used to get into these huge arguments, you know, to the point where I would actually get mad at him. Uh, it's like, 
but now I kind of realize what he was talking about, you know, because I remember one time he just said, you know what, I'm not going to argue anymore. You just have to buy a Mac one day, and then you'll know what, what I'm talking about. And once I started using my Mac, I, I, I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I just enjoy the fact that the OS seems really invisible to me. I don't have to worry about memory, you know, the the memory manager, and I can actually focus on the tools I'm using, like Photoshop or uh, Illustrator. Uh, with PC, I constantly had to monitor for a virus, um, uh, like Trojans, and you know, it just it was not pleasant. Yeah, there's such a, like a mental tax to using a PC where you're constantly worried about viruses, obviously, and. And right. stuff like that. Of course, I'm not saying Mac is 100% secure, but it just feels like um, I don't. There's no distraction for me when I'm using it. Um, that's what I appreciate. I mean, obviously, I like the design of the hardware, but you know that type of novelty kind of wear off after a while, right? I mean, I still like it, but but then I that's not something I care anymore. Uh, what I really care is is the performance of the machine. Uh, for example, my, my first iMac, which is about over two years old now, it runs as fast as the first day I bought it. I cannot say the same about any of the PCs I've used before. One of the, the things I I noticed when I switched to Macs a little while ago is that I don't have to worry about what's running or what I've installed or what the manufacturer installed. You know, with a PC, there's always a giant process of removing all the stuff it came with that you don't want and removing yeah. it all the way so you that it to, doesn't slow down your machine. Yeah. Right. And if you bought a laptop, you have to peel off those like a million stickers. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself a fanboy and I, I respect people who use PCs too. I just think you should use whatever tools that's best for you. Uh, for me, fortunately, you know, these graphics tools are available for both Mac and PC. Uh, it's not like I feel like I'm a better designer now because I'm using Photoshop on Mac because I'm more cool. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the same as the one for PC. Um, I think it's because when it comes down to it, uh, if I have to use an analogy, is PC is probably like your typical American muscle car. If you're into tuning, fine-tuning, tweaking stuff, and that's really fun to use. That's why a lot of you know, programmers, they are still on PC because they, if they want to maximize everything, I think they can do that. Whereas Macs are more like your luxury sedans, right? If you don't care about what's under the hood, you just want to have a really enjoyable ride, and then that may be the right one for you. That is a ridiculously accurate comparison. I was going to say, yeah, that's a really good analogy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I feel, really, because I was... I remember the days when I used to build PC. I used to buy my parts, you know, and I love PC. I would never buy a Mac that wouldn't let me customize anything. But these days, I'm not that person anymore. You know, I don't play a lot of games. I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even keep up with hardware anymore. I'm just a user. I just want to use the tools I use every day. I don't want to crash. I don't want to configure my machine. I don't want to update the antivirus. You know, so Mac is a really good choice for me right now. So you said you use Photoshop. What other software things do you use? Like, what do you use for like coding your CSS and HTML? I use the Dreamweaver, <laughs> believe it or not. I I know there are better text editors. I mean, I I just use Dreamweaver as a, a text editor. I don't use the what you see, what you get type of uh, interface, of course. Um, 
and I use Illustrator for vector type of graphics, for example, logos. But mostly I use Photoshop for the design. And those are pretty much the only three tools I use most of the time. Hmm. And for front-end um, development, I also use um, Firebug on Firefox or the Chrome Inspector to you know fix some CSS bugs. What about for FTP and, and that sort of stuff and Mercurial? Uh, yeah, I use Mercurial that uploads my files, my local files to the, okay. the projects. You just use like the command line tool? Yeah, I I had a a a Mac client called Murky, but I do not think it works with Line anymore. And then I um I got another program called MacHG, I believe, and it didn't work too well for me. And then you know I just I I prefer to use command line anyways because I feel like I can type faster than I can click on things. And it's it's basically just HG pull HG push. <laughs> it's fairly easy. Yeah, version control is one of those things that we could we could dedicate a whole episode to this. I we we have a designer at work that her her workflow for the designs that she does she does a little bit of web design and some general graphic design. Just the, some of the the intricacies of SVN just makes it an absolute nightmare. She um she has her template, but the problem is is that the template has the the SVN the dot SVN meta information inside of it. And if you take this old SVN information and put it in a new location, it thinks that it's part of its original location. You're just at at this wedge, and it's just such a nightmare to actually clean up. The easiest answer is to clean up the template, and then you never have this problem again. But yeah, source control can be an absolute nightmare. I'm actually kind of surprised to hear that. It it, it was very interesting to hear that you use it at the command line. Um. Yeah, because when I tried to use the client, sometimes it was confusing to me uh, because there was not a definitive confirmation of exactly what happened. <laughs> Whereas if I do on command line, you know, I, to me the message is a lot more clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the only downside is every time I check in something, when I type in the checking comment, I'm forced to use VI, which I hate. <laughs> um, I just know enough about VI so I can type in something and exit. That's about it. <laughs> Doesn't doesn't um I mean I know Git has the dash m where you can actually you know put the message on the command line itself. Does doesn't Mercurial have something like that? It probably does. I I probably <laughs> just don't know about it. Okay. Yeah, because I gosh for the longest time I I hated being you know getting thrown into VI. It's like what do I do? You know you you start pushing buttons and like nothing is typing because you're not in the right mode or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. It's just I don't know who designed that text editor. <laughs> yeah. But VI is pretty powerful. I, I had to use it when I was in college because all the machines were Linux, uh, were Unix machines. But I don't remember most of the command uh, because you can do pretty powerful regex in there too. Yeah, yeah. The only the only VI command I know is escape colon Q exclamation <laughs> mark. <laughs> right. <laughs> I learned enough to get me out. <laughs> right. Um, so, what um, do you have any suggestions for um, Stack Exchange as a company, or or for or even the Apple that has different side? Do you see any improvement? Well, I guess the question I can probably answer is more design related. Um, well, now that Lion's out and they have the the uh, the navigation bar that they changed again, they inverted uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Did you know somebody on our UX site actually asked about our the ask different site because I some saw of, that 
Yeah, somebody asked, is this the right affordance for the buttons? Because he, he, he was showing the older version of the lines, you know, the tabs treatment. And I commented on that too. And I said, you know, I'm kind of glad the line changed it back because it didn't really make any sense to me, even though I implement on our site. Well, it looks okay when, for example, there are four choices. One is selected, then you know right away which one's selected, right? Because this one doesn't look like the others. But right. when there are only two choices, it's really confusing. <laughs> you don't know which one's the on state or off state. Yeah, I was playing with one of the previews, the lion, and my dad, who who doesn't do as much uh, computer stuff as I do, he he was looking at it and he couldn't figure out the. He was trying to drag it back and forth, but I think he was trying to drag the the not selected one. So he was like trying to drag the not selected one onto the selected one and it wasn't changing because he was ending up in the same place and right yeah i think I it's think, good that they, they fixed I it i think that's but do you think at this point if i change it to reflect what lions is right now it would be confusing for our users then well yeah again i think you're i think you're totally right that if you've got enough to see which is selected it's okay yeah because that's the case used for our site we don't ever have it like a two choice type of thing which mm-hmm. To me, it's the only case that's confusing because yeah, I'm just yeah. afraid that if I update our site again, that's actually going to have a negative effect on people who have been using our sites. You know? Oh, I, I would, I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious. And I mean, the people using our site are people that use Macs, and presumably, the majority of them have upgraded to Lion. I don't think it'll be an issue. So, I mean, if you're if you're worried about you know confusing people, I wouldn't worry about it. And I can field any questions in meta that people are like, oh, what does this mean? I'll be like, well, you know, check out your system preferences in right. your Mac. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm glad uh, that's different. It's doing it really well now. And we, um, it's got some pretty high profile exposures recently. It was featured on during Fireball. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know I'll... if, I don't know if you guys have been keeping track with the traffic or new user registration or not. I mean, did that have any good effect on we did get we did get uh some traffic not as much as i would have thought that we would have gotten but i it's comparable to having you know your link uh you know as a popular link on on reddit and hacker news and stuff like that but i i we have at least one user that i know of and and and, and a few others that i'm aware of that ha- came to our site directly from the daring fireball um you know these active users people that are, you know actively contribute so i mean what i what i would really like i don't know if stack exchange has a way to do this you know in in the moderator tools you you don't but being able to track people you know find out you know so this particular user you know where do they when did they first visit where did they come from when they visited mm. and i think that would that would provide a lot of useful information on how well advertising campaigns work right we um that's a good point we you know we hired the uh recently we hired a chaos team is a team of eight people that that will get involved with our community size and try to help them to promote stuff yeah um, Maybe they can. Uh, I don't know if anyone's assigned to uh, ask different or not. Um, Miss Abby Miller. Yeah, Abby. We okay. got we got one of the first ones. Um, I I get the feeling that the, the, the chaos team is more about like community promotion, mm-hmm. whereas the thing that I'm I'm kind of interested about is like a like an actual 
programming feature right. where you know you have to have like a developer sit down for a day code up something that says okay well you know uh this user uses this ips when we first saw this ip from you know as a referral from this site and you know therefore you know these coming from these various sites because you know you can get a lot of traffic on one day and you know you can get a bunch of people registered but then after that you know who's actually sticking around you know is it something where you know you, you just throw it up there and then like you know you get a bunch of traffic one day but no one actually stays or is it something where you know you actually get a number of very uh, very active very high rep users and i think that that's a better uh, metric for determining whether or not a promotion works than simply uh, looking at the traffic numbers yeah i think yeah traffic doesn't mean as much i i think what i would probably cares the new active users on the site you know the people right. who can provide really quality uh answers uh, because because i i still participate on the graphic design side um and i i just see maybe five or six regular users who, who answer questions there but just those a few users already make the site really valuable you know and sometimes i was like i wish they were like just 30 active users on graphic design and then that site would just be booming you know <laughs> yeah and, and and then another thing that jason and i have really been like hammering on is is basically the branding <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um changing all the instances of, of the word apple in relation to the name of our site to ask different uh has been ex- extremely hard uh <laughs> i think it's just uh, i i don't know the answer to that i didn't mention it to our developers um but they the the thing is they have a lot of stuff on their plate because they they make a lot of changes and 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 put put out fire every day i just i i imagine they have a list of things to do but where on that list is this name change i honestly don't know because it's possible they just put on a low priority list but i can certainly ask them but i do agree that um branding is pretty important i mean for me it's more of a visual branding thing, right? Um, right. So, because even uh, now, like, we have more people to do the promotion thing, the chaos team. Sometimes they make flyers without me knowing, and but I would stress to them that you should show your design to me, and we have to make sure when we make some kind of promotional material for a site, we need to use their logo and make the, the flyer to reflect the main site's theme, and that's something I'm pretty picky about because... Uh, because every single community is their own brand, basically. And, of course, you know, uh, I did not realize that before. When I started making Sagashini sites, I just thought, oh, I'm just making a website for these uh, communities. But now uh, I'm making t-shirts, stickers, and conference big banners, you know, and, and other type of swag. For example, water bottle for the bicycle site. Uh, it gave me a, a much stronger sense that you know I'm not really just designing a website for these people. I'm really giving them a whole identity package, right? Yeah. So every single thing should reflect that. Um, but I can definitely feel your pain about <laughs> the the name because on the site it says "acts different" by everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Apple. Well, like you visit on on your iPhone or your iPad, and it says Apple. You know, you subscribe to the Apple newsletter, but you chat in the Ask Different chat, so it's very confusing. You elect the Apple moderators. Uh, that one, that one's a sticking point that'll come around again. Uh, what later this year, or early next year? Yeah, I yeah, think it's yeah, like yeah. a once a year election thing. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, I, I can definitely ask for you guys, although I, I can't really promise anything. <laughs> no, I understand. And um, it, it also seems to be a little bit of a matter of policy. Uh, you know, when we brought this up with Jeff uh, on, on Metastack Overflow, you know, he uh, sort of, he basically said that if we got sponsored by Apple, like the company, that he'd do it, but otherwise, no. <laughs> So I'm hoping that it is possible to change that decision um, because, you know, it's sort of like we're stuck halfway. Like if our site said Apple everywhere, I mean, you know, the reason why we picked Ask Different was because we didn't really want to put the word Apple everywhere because there were potential uh, trademark issues. Um, well, and also Ask Different's a more interesting name, I think. Right, right, yeah. But uh, I think it, it being either all one way or all the other way is... Uh, much better than being halfway in between, which is what we've been for the past, I don't know, ever since we launched the site, basically, in January or February. (laughs) Right. So, I I guess uh, you remember that moderator card I was making, right? Did I use askdifferent.com for the URL or did I use apple.section? I believe you used... uh, That's a good question. I don't know. But which one? But then it sounds like you would prefer just askdifferent.com instead of Apple. Um, I don't know. Let's see here. This I don't. Is... I think I post on Meta. And by the way, we are still in the process of uh, making these moderator cards. So it, it is a lengthy process to collect all the information from all the other sites. Right. No. I mean, there's, there's, um, yeah. Use askdifferent.com. Okay. Um, I mean, which works? So you go go to askdifferent.com and it redirects to apple.stackexchange.com. So, and I'm not in any rush to get these moderator cards. Um, yeah, sometimes I rush order these cards for some mods because they, if they happen to be attending a conference, yeah. I thought, you know, it would be nice if they have some cards to give out. I think Dory went to Macworld last year. You know, I kind of want to, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I'd really like to actually go to an Apple conference. So maybe maybe I can get Stack Exchange to send me to uh, <laughs> Macworld. Oh, wait, I think uh, uh, we have posted threads on sponsoring conferences right and yeah. maybe you can request or talk to the community manager team yeah well i will once once there's more details about it right now there's just like a, a but, vague website on about those it. big mac conference they're sold out right away okay i don't even think that they the tickets have gone on sale yet uh i'm just saying it seems to me that you know i was your news uh mac world sold out in two hours whatever <laughs> well i think wwdc sells out in two hours okay yeah i don't think Ma- i don't think mac world uh um sells out that fast if they sell out at all i think mac world you know the, the conference has, has actually been on decline for a few years and so there's kind of me a mac, sense that mac they world? really want people <laughs> to come wait wasn't apple did, did apple used to go to i mean they used to uh have representatives go to mac world right and then they well yeah actually that. uh it used to be a big keynote for many years it used to be the mac world keynote and right. i believe the iphone and a bunch of other stuff was actually introduced at mac world uh then it was like two years ago that apple pulled out and uh it's kind of it hasn't been the same since but i think they're sort of in the process of reinventing themselves Macworld's, you know, Macworld's a good good site run by good people, and I, I definitely think that uh, you know the community is large enough now to uh, to make the conference still feasible. Uh, but at the same time, I think that a lot of the draw, uh, you know, the fact that Apple itself was there, now that now that a lot of a lot of that kind of draw is 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 gone, that um, just by sheer numbers, not as many people are going as as they used to. Right. 
Are you uh, are you excited about iPhone five? I I am. I have an iPhone four, and I'm still on another year or so of contract with AT and T. So I can't really. I mean, I can't upgrade, but I'm 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 excited for you know what they what they come out with. Um, although if if the cases that I've seen are any indication. The phone is going to be like gigantic. <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be like what edge to edge screen. Um, yeah, it, yeah, but it's also like you know, it supposedly like tapers out to be like a four point five inch. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a great phone, very powerful, very slim. You know. Yeah, but it seems a little too big. Like I think, uh, I think the iPhone four is like the best phone ever made. <laughs> oh, I like it a lot too. Oh man, oh, this I just love like the feeling of it in my hand. Um, my only complaint is has how fragile it is. I don't know if you heard the episode where I I was sort of complaining about the uh, all the repairs that I've had to have on it, and I I had now have a, a crack on my screen that I mean to be perfectly honest, I don't know how it happened. I'm assuming that it was due to uh, heat expansion and contraction one day, but because I didn't drop it. Oh, uh, okay, but. Well, I, at least the touchscreen still works, you know. Oh, it's one of those like love love hate relationships, where, <laughs> you know. When it, when it works, when it's great, you just you're just happy, and then you know when it breaks, you're just, it just makes you so sad. My whole world has been cut <laughs> off from me. Ah. <laughs> I I, you know, we we always kind of have these go rounds in what we actually value and how we actually communicate. And uh, it's kind of one of those situations. Well, what would you do if you didn't have everything in your pockets right now on you? Oh my God, how would I live? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with with no cell phone of any particular power, there, there's a. You, if you just had a stock cell phone and you're driving somewhere, assuming you actually get reception, you'd have to rely on other people for information instead of just firing up the app that gives you exactly what you want to know. Yep. I don't. I don't know how. I would actually have to unfold a travel map, a road map. Yeah, I. I was just at the DMV the other day, and I was thinking, what did people do in DMV? How did people survive DMV <laughs> for iPhone or any smartphones? You know, people probably bring like a little paperback book or something that yeah. to, to occupy them. Right. All right. Uh, so uh, I guess our, our sort of uh, final topic for you Jin is uh, so what does it mean to be a professional bacon eater oh you're talking about my twitter profile <laughs> I am yes well I maybe to be fair you, I've seen a lot of pictures of bacon on your twitter <laughs> right uh, I've had that profile pretty much since I created my twitter account and because at the time I got on twitter because of Jeff Atwood and he told me about twitter and I did not get twitter for the longest time and in fact I hated twitter um, and I, now I blame him for this like time sucking thing Twitter is to me. Uh, so, but when I was creating my profile, I didn't know what to write. So I look at all these other people I followed, and they were all all their bios were professional designer, professional this, professional that, and I just wanted to be goofy as a professional bacon eater because <laughs> because I really love bacon. <laughs> yeah, I like bacon too, although not not to the extent that. Uh... You do, <laughs> yeah. It's it's because I stay up really late at night, and and you know I would get hungry at two o'clock in the morning, and the best thing to eat is and the easiest thing to make is probably bacon. So, bacon sausages. So, 
I bake and sausage at midnight. Is that sort of a, a, a reference to the, uh, the the narwhal bacons at, at midnight from yep. Reddit? Yes. <laughs> you get me. I do. Well, I, occasionally I will also see like uh, reposts from Reddit on your on your Twitter as well. Oh yeah, um, I I spend obscenely amount of time on the internet. <laughs> I, uh, I have I have a really um, messed up living habit, but which suits me really well. Um, the way I work, it's uh, it works beautifully. And and you know when I want to take a break, instead of getting up and go outside do something, I I just surf these uh, sites like Reddit, the Daily What, you know all these. I just like. funny internet stuff (laughs) so a lot of times you would see me uh tweet those links as well yeah yeah i I like reddit too it's it's very um do you have the alien blue app i i don't actually you Um, should definitely get not the official reddit app which is not that great but get the alien blue app it's maybe you shouldn't because it's the time sync (laughs) so well done it's the the user experience is actually better than the reddit.com interface yeah what i would what i would really like is to have something that would like sync the links that i've seen from my iphone to um my computer because you know when you when you visit a link on reddit it turns from blue to purple Mm -hmm. and so you know typically you know if i I can tell how productive i've been by how many um (laughs) reddit links are purple (laughs) But, you know, when you visit something on your iPhone, then you go back to your computer and it's still blue. So you see it again because, you know, you're just sort of on autopilot. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah, I like to serve the web a lot because uh, especially after designing all these stack exchange sites, to me, what I realize is the one skill set a designer should have outside of actually designing things is is to have a broad knowledge on everything pretty much. Because there were times when I approached a, a stack exchange beta site, I kind of wish I knew more about that site, you know, not to having to learn it because I'm about to design it. If I already knew a lot of stuff about the site, it would really help the design so much. Yeah, you sort of have to be a, a polymath, knowing a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, but then, you know, that just, I think that's, as I said, that's one benefit of designing these sites. I, from each site, I learn a little bit about, you know, what that topic is about. So if I were talk to a stranger about any topic hopefully i i can have something to contribute that's cool and i i I look forward to seeing all your designs and stuff in the future and yeah the some people ask me which designs i'm most excited about i'm actually really excited about the uh, rpg site because i contracted an artist to do this header graphic and which i think is pretty cool oh rpg is that has it launched yet no no it hasn't i haven't even (laughs) presented the designs yeah i see that's another cool thing i learned about rpg because i i think last time this year i posted on their meta asking for some design uh ideas because i if it were up to me i would just make the whole site look like world of warcraft <laughs> or some <laughs> something like dnd uh, because majority of their questions are about dungeon dragons um, but to my surprise, the users actually said that we don't want a pure D&D design because that would alienate other genres of D&D, I mean, RPG players. And I wasn't even aware there were other genres of <laughs> tabletop RPG other than Dungeons & Dragons. You know, they explained there's like the supernatural type of RPG, the sci-fi ones, you know. Uh, ooh, ooh, I have an idea. So you go to the RPG site. It's a it's a blank black screen with a blinking cursor. 
And so you, you type look. You type look, right? I think you're then, confusing tabletop RPG with mod. Oh, okay, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, it would just be kind of interesting if, like, there was just like a stack exchange site where, like, you go there and there, you don't see anything, and you have to type like "look," and you know, it's like you are on a uh, <laughs> the front page of a stack exchange site. Yeah. <laughs> to your th- left is the questions. <laughs> I think yeah, that but... means you need to uh, you need to go to Area Fifty One and suggest Zork, <laughs> the Zork stack exchange site. Maybe, maybe I will have to do that. Yeah, it's 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 always uh, I always. It's always helpful that the meta community actually posts a design-related thread before I do, you know, because yesterday I was just looking at the French site. They had a thread up saying, like, what should our design logo be? You know, people post discussions. And those that type of threads are always really helpful to me. I mean, sometimes I don't actually respond in the thread, but I read everything people post in there. So it gives me a pretty good idea. So those actually those those language sites that's actually brings up an interesting question like when you actually make the final design are you going to localize it into the language That's a good question. I haven't I haven't had to do it yet because the last language site officially graduated was the English one, right? Now we have Japanese, German, and French. Right. I I honestly don't know. I because if you look at the content, a lot of questions were posted purely in that particular language, right? Yeah. So, so that's a good question. I I don't have an answer to that yet. I I would think the design. I mean, the design doesn't have. I don't think the design will have a lot of uh, language specific things in there, except for the navigation, maybe the site title, which I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, the site title, you know, you might make uh, like images for like the questions users, and you know, would you would you you'd be like questions are like le questions? <laughs> I I, have, I don't speak French. You can tell. I, I think it will either have to be either real French or real English, not the, the fake, <laughs> fake American French. Um, but 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 i would think most of the users they are english speakers as well you know yeah. and i don't think we have any users that's pure french speaking users right i'm not sure we may do we may have yeah i think the the topic of the site it's also it's not just french it's like french for english speakers you know people that are learning french right it's pretty so. interesting i mean when the some of the sites when i when I'm not working, if I just want to surf, I, I like our English site a lot. I like the math site too. Yeah, there's a lot of good questions on the English site. You and know. the the skeptic uh, the skeptic site is really good too. Some of the some of the questions and answers posted there. Mm. I'll be completely honest. I am ridiculously excited to see what you're going to do for the uh, Japanese site. Uh, just the I I know absolutely you know pretty much no Japanese besides the common phrases you hear thrown around and whatnot, and but it's just it's just this thing that I think I have a an eye for what any kind of like a Japanese cultural reference or anything like that ex- external to just the language might be, and I'm really looking forward to what you to see what you put into that site. Uh, yeah, it will be an interesting one because I actually they. On their meta, they posted a thread on what the design and logo should be. It's actually really long, a lot of good ideas. And I think that's just the one, when you design these more cultural websites, like the, the German, Japanese, French, there's always, it's it's just a balance game, right? You, you want it to reflect that, that, that country's culture, but at the same time, you don't want to use these cliched 
things, right? And the English came together really well because you have a very you have a very historic style. Like it, it's mm-hmm. old English without actually using old English, right. uh, and it's it you know it's such an old language and it it, it extends outside of the Americas. It go, harkens back all the way to. Uh, Right. I, I feel like I sound really stupid for saying Europe in the, you know, in the English speaking context, but uh, it, it's just, it looks very fanciful in the classical English style that people, I feel, generally identify with. Right. Uh, the English style was not designed by me. I contracted this uh, good designer friend of mine, named Alex Sharshar. Uh, he's from Australia because I've been a fan of his blog, his writing. Um, I have these blog, uh, designer friends. When I think of them, I think of their style because they're they really excel in certain style, design style. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Alex style is just really, that really awesome with typography, a little bit grungy, you know, that old world feel. So when I was told to design the English side, I knew right away I had I had to use Alex for this side. <laughs> he would he would do a much better job than me. So and I think he did. So it was great. So how often do you contract with other people to design the sites? Very rarely. Um if I if I feel because I technically I can design them myself, but sometimes I think it's better for other designers to de- design it because in Alex's case, I I do believe for the English side he would come up with a better design than I do, and for our UX side, um, the UX side is actually still technically in beta, um, but it was a special case. We launched the design early because I felt a lot of designers weren't really taking the sketchy skin seriously if they're designers <laughs> they've never heard of stack exchange you know because you know uh, i don't want to stereotype but a lot of designers do judge a book by its cover right <laughs> so if a site doesn't look designed then they don't take it seriously and so i decided to launch a design for ux site first so f- to help that site to grow because it was kind of stagnant for a while and i certainly did not want it to die because i think ux is such a good topic you know um so i i contracted my other friend, uh, Dimitri, of FrontUsability.com, I've we've been reading each other's blogs for years, and I really like his work. and And he has a huge following on his blog too. And so I asked him, I said, "Could you design our site?" But uh, well, definitely pay you for it. And and uh, if you, could you also blog about your design process? I think that's going to be a really interesting blog post to read. And also, you know, that will draw more of your users to our to our UX side too, because his user, I mean, his readers are also designers too, you know, and and I, and he did a really good design, and I think it really worked out well. And and the UX side is very active right now. Yeah, I really like the design of the UX side. I was when I saw that, I'm like, oh, this yeah. looks really good. Yeah, and and I enjoy re- I enjoy reading his post on the, his design process for um, the. The, the UX stack exchange site too which kind of made me jealous because I wish I still kept up with blogging and there were so many things I wanted to blog like for example every single site I launched you know, I, what I learned what my process was but I just really don't have the time to blog about it and I, I feel pretty bad I think maybe like not for each individual site, but I think if you if you did like a, a single blog post that sort of described a lot of this stuff I mean we've gone over it a lot of, a lot of it in the podcast but I think a lot of people would be really interested in that. If you posted that on the Stack Exchange blog, I think a lot of people, you know, would, would, would read that and enjoy it. Uh, yeah. I, in fact, I started blog post-draft last November. <laughs> I still have not finished <laughs> it because it got really long. And every time, 
because I would get busy, I would, and then I would revisit it maybe a month later, and then I, would, I just always end up rewriting it again, and this has happened at least four times, you know? Oof. And I, 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 because I use blog quite often, uh, mostly on design-related things, and ever since I got this job, I just haven't had any time to blog, and I feel like I need that one big introductory blog out of the way, and then I can blog about other things, but this thing is kind of, it has not been getting out of the way, <laughs> so... Maybe I'll I'll try to finish it someday. Yeah, that seems to be the story that uh, whenever you're hired by Stack Exchange, you suddenly disappear from all the sites because they keep you so busy. Like uh, Stack Exchange hired Dory from our site, and she was really active. You know, she's a moderator. She was you know, asking questions, answering questions, and then all of a sudden they hired her, and whoosh, she's gone. <laughs> right. Oh well, you know the the reason I blogged before. Uh, a lot about design was because my last job was kind of slow and I I really really needed a creative outlet and that's why I blogged about design when I came home you know but now I I make stuff all day long so I don't have the urge to write about the design if I spend all day designing but 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 to me blogging is more about uh, bettering your writing skill which that's what I enjoyed when I used to blog and um, I really should get back into that. Yeah. Well, at least you've got this podcast you could point to. You could say, you know, hey, if you have any questions about my process, you could just <laughs> listen to this episode. Yeah, I hope uh, hope I explain it well. Because sometimes there are things, you know, normally after a podcast, I was like, oh, I forgot to say that. But uh, hopefully <laughs> I I covered most of the things. Because, I mean, to sum it up, the ever stack exchange size is different. I don't really have a set formula to use for ever every single one of them. For example, like I designed the bicycle side as a poster first because I want to capture that outdoor feeling. And once the poster had that right feeling, I transferred it back to the side design. And for PowerPoint, you know, I decided to go with Microsoft look. And for DBA, I just wanted a simple, clean like a look for that one. So who knows? I, I mean, sometimes I go to stackexchange.com slash sites, looking at all these other sites that are coming up and some of them just scare me because I, I know zero about them. I was going to mention the fact that there's, you said, uh, 27 launched so far. Uh, that makes about 30 in the footer for any, for, for any launch site. And then if you go to anything that's still in beta, there's, I don't know, this looks like 40 somewhere on the, somewhere on the edge where we're just about at the point where you have officially more sites launched than actually able to be participated in. But, um, Gardening is probably going to be pretty easy. Bitcoin is potentially going to be um, weird. Uh, <laughs> Jewish life and learning. I think that all, one may all be of those easy, cultural though. ones are going to be fun. I'm sure. Cultural ones because cultural ones are easier somewhat because you know people have this visual association with it, right? When you think of French, you may think of some old, old those uh, Art Deco posters <laughs> in Paris. You know, I don't know. Uh, so those are actually easier. It's just stuff that's more abstract that's always more challenging. To me. Quantitative finance. Yeah. So I... <laughs> how how many dollar signs can you use? How many how many ways can you express the word money? I, see, I cannot use the dollar sign because we have international users. Mm-hmm. And that's that. I thought about that. And then they also probably I'm not sure they want to use green because green is more of a U.S. dollar thing, right? Mm-hmm. But then. If I don't use green, what else am I going to use? So that's just a, a challenge that I have to face one day. 
I mean, I think the U.S. dollar is probably recognized throughout the world, but at the same time, if you if you design it so it looks like a U.S. dollar site, you know, you're not going to get those foreign people that think it's oh, it's just about U.S. stuff. No, you arrogant Americans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And then the other question is, how many times can you reimplement something that has to do with programming? We already have, you know, Stack Stack Overflow doesn't have anything that screams programming. It by comparison, it has a very rudimentary style because it was the first one to go with. Um, but you've already done um, you've already done programmers and theoretical CS, and then looking at this list as well, you have code review, code golf, and to a lesser extent, homebrew. Um, th- those all revolve around code, but to be able to have the unique identity in each one, yeah, that, that's that's a pretty big task, right? Wait, you. is it is it homebrew about beer? Yeah, I was going to say homebrew. About <laughs> oh, beer. it's that kind of homebrew. Oh, okay, don't mind me. <laughs> but, but, I'm but just showing it how is much programming related, though, right? <laughs> It, vaguely. <laughs> I mean, you drink while you um, program. Uh, DIY also didn't strike me as home improvement. It struck me as like I, 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 electrical engineering, I guess, like the the act of creating something mechanical. I, I, I get that vibe from Stack Overflow is a lot at, at large because they're a technology oriented company. So to see these things that use terms that have technical connotation applied to something not necessarily related to it, well, yeah, I just showed my, uh, I just showed my uh, knowledge of the specific site, I guess. Yeah, a lot, a lot of sites are rather technical. I think it's because. Most of these sites were seeded or proposed by, you know, Stack Overflow users. Um, yeah. We saw a lot of that. But then going on forward, we also see these non-technical sites popping up, which is, which is a good trend. You know, that means we have broken out of the initial Stack Overflow programmer base, and hopefully, uh, somebody who's never even heard of Stack Overflows go to AR fifty one propose other topics. You know, that non-technical related. I th- I still think Area 51 is like a very huge hurdle. Like uh expecting non-technical people to go there and submit something and potential questions and get followers. It's just I think it it's been it's been a year, right? Uh, since well, a bit, slightly over a year since Area 51 launched. We we still have to study the data somewhat because obviously, you know, you know the reason because we want people who are familiar with our network to propose something uh, like if somebody's already using one of the sites like with higher reputation they're they way more than say total stranger to the network yeah I just I still think that you know there's there's a lot that you gotta do because I mean if you don't do any promotion if you don't put any questions in if you just put in a topic then you know two weeks later that's gonna get closed due to lack of activity just because there's so much stuff posted uh, I just think that you know the the requirements, you know the bars that are set to actually succeed in Area 51 are so high that you really have to have like a comprehensive understanding of the network and being able to engage users uh, to vote for your topic. And I mean, I, I realize that that is a good indicator that the site is going to be successful if you have you know someone that's actually championing uh, getting the site created. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of non-technical people that are going to uh, understand, enjoy, or enjoy that process. Right. But I wonder if, if, let's say we have non-technical people proposing some proposals, and stereotypically speaking, they're not that involved in, say, social media or campaigns. I mean, they they won't they won't be able to promote the site anyway, right? 
if anybody, right. I would think as programmers or more t- techies who are, they should be the type of people who create proposals because you know they may hang out on Reddit, Twitter. They can get their friends to commit to it to follow it. Well, exactly, yeah. And so, I mean, the the uh, I, I what from what I'm told, the ultimate goal of of the Stack Exchange and Area 51 process is that you know ordinary people are able to propose sites and then you know so you start from the technical core that, that uh, start creating sites that are you know somewhat technical and maybe you know they're uh, they're not based on technology but they still have lots of like process involved like you know DIY or cooking and then you sort of branch out you know from there and then eventually you get people that are not technical at all you get people like you know for it's, example it's probably happening already I just don't know how fast it is for example yeah. it's possible that somebody never heard of Stack Exchange, Stack Overflow, but landed on photography, you know, and build up a high rep, and then later on learn about Area 51 and say, this person may say, hey, I also like sewing too, why don't I propose a sewing site? And yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some data uh, about, you know, those people, uh, you know, finding out exactly how many of the uh, of the proposals that are coming through are from people that uh, are not, you know, from Stack Overflow, Super User, and and some of the other technical sites. Uh, I think that'd be something interesting to look at. Yeah, that would be. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me here. I had a great time. Yeah, it's um, really been f- fantastic to sort of pick your brain on uh, some of the. The, the stack exchange designs and your design process and it's very been very illuminating on exactly how you come up, come up with all this stuff yeah i sometimes i think i just get lucky I, i'm just dreading that one side i'm just gonna totally fail <laughs> um, <laughs> but i'm i'm glad that the users have our community users have been really supportive and yeah. i really appreciate that i mean i could things could have been so much worse for me designing all these sites but i think everybody's been really professional and supportive yeah i i've I've noticed that you know they're they're typically good communities you know uh, surrounding these sites you know you don't really get the those um too many of those um Um, unsavory personalities mm, yes yeah exactly well another thing is uh, i mentioned briefly that uh when i present a design i write a little brief brief design pitch that's actually the most crucial part of the whole design process to me i feel like if i do not explain my design well i don't explain why i did what i did then users will be over me because because then if i just say hey this is the design here it is and then somebody will just come in and say why why are you using red instead of blue you know injecting their personal preferences but if i do a really good job explaining my thought process why i did this and people will say oh i see that's why you did it and even if somebody doesn't like that particular look they'd have to present a really really good reason to vote against my design right <laughs> they had to come up with their own uh logic right so do you have any uh do you, do you want people to follow you on twitter or um sure my twitter handles jzy three letters and that and my blog is 8164.org it's all numbers I almost feel silly for asking this, but is there significance to those numbers? Yes, but if I te- if I have to tell you, I have to kill you. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just kidding. It's eight one six four. Is uh, briefly, I started my blog 
for the purposes of translating these two, two Chinese books uh, on uh, philosophical Taoism. And one book has 81 chapters and the other book has 64 chapters. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But of course, okay. I only, if you look at the very first three entries, and that, those were the only entries I wrote on uh, the translation. And uh, a funny thing, after the second chapter, as I was translating the 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 Dao Te Ching book and and then I feel like I was enlightened. I was like, yeah, I guess I shouldn't really be talking about this anymore. It's because Taoism is to me as lived. It's not like you preached or talk about. So I just decided not to <laughs> write anymore. And and at the same time, I wanted to write about design. I didn't feel like starting a separate blog for it. So I just kept on writing about design on my blog. And I still kept the name. So, it's one of those things where whenever you're trying to come up with a name, you you agonize over it, and you agonize over it, and you you think it through, and just nothing comes to mind. And then you start gathering. You you go look at the history of people that have come up with some relatively catchy, relatively notable names. It's like, oh, that makes so much sense. Why didn't I think about it? Well, I never would have thought of something yeah. like that. Naming is very very hard, as yeah. we've learned. Um, Web applications, <clears throat> nothing to install. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say, us different season advice, those are pretty good names. Yeah, they absolutely are. The, the sites that have names, and I'm sure people, I, I'm, there's a good chance that a lot of the rest of them could come up with something. Uh, but as we covered before, and on my on my question in Metastack Overflow, seasoned advice, cross validated, and ask different are the genius names you know they're they're those those strokes of brilliance that came through and i would like to see communities that could actually come up with them and that people can really rally behind i mean if they come up with the name then they can certainly uh, well the, 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 the there are two parts to coming for coming up with a good name is one is like of course coming up with a good domain uh, name but the thing is the second challenging part is even if your number one was great, but it doesn't mean that domain isn't taken, and that's happened a lot before yeah. when we were yeah. still entertaining the the custom domain idea. Like there were a lot of good ideas, but they all were taken, so it was no good. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the Ask Different podcast. You can find us on iTunes by searching for Ask Different podcast. Our show notes and an RSS feed are available at podcast.askdifferent.net. We'd like to hear from you, so please email us at podcast at askdifferent.net. Thanks for listening.